0: Up our series that we have been doing over the last several months, looking at this theme of the Holy Spirit throughout the Bible, and uh, I will be honest with you, um, I was given the notes for this sermon series about a year and a half ago, and it was one morning when I was waking up. um, I had never experienced anything like it before, but I, it was a Saturday morning, and it was almost like a download, and I had to grab a piece of paper and a pen. And I just started writing. It, I probably wrote about 12 pages of notes. And those 12 pages became what is the Catching Fire sermon series. So I'll tell you, when I first started this sermon series, you know, four months ago, I had no idea myself just how much the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit. And so as I've been, you know, kind of thinking back over the last several sermons, you know, I realize it's been some repeat along the way. But uh, I have to side with Peter when, uh, when he says in First Peter that I... I have no shame whatsoever about reminding you of these things because these are some of the most important things that we have in Scripture. But we are going to be wrapping up this series this morning. And uh, I tell you, it's, it's been a, a journey for me. And my prayer, my hope, and this is you know, for any preacher who preaches a message, you know, our hope is that God will use this very imperfect vessel and this mouth and these words that he's given me um, to convey some things to you that hopefully has helped you in your journey um, with, with your own relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so I pray that four months later after looking at these passages that you have a greater sense of the presence of God in your life. I know He does for me. Um, as we have been going through this series, we've been going through the entire Bible. I, my, my goal was not to be exhaustive with every single text about the Holy Spirit, but to pay attention to what the whole... Progression of the revelation of the Holy Spirit in the Bible is actually trying to tell us. And what we've seen so far is that God's entire plan of redemption, ever since you and I fell from the presence of God in the Garden of Eden, ever since that time, his plan has been to deal with sin so that he can create a place, so that he can draw people together to be in community with himself, and so that he can have his presence to be with us. Now why is that? Well it's simple. He loves you. He loves you with all of his heart. That's why Jesus has, that's why Jesus came and died for you. I mean one of the probably most well known passages in all the Bible is one that you can quote just as well as I can. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The whole reason why God's been doing this since the beginning of time is because he desires to have A relationship with us. And if you continue the progression, we've talked about what the the, the Greek word is telos or goal that God has with everything that he's been doing. And that's heaven. One day when you and I die, the hope that we carry around, I hope that you carry this around in you, is that we will finally be without reference to sin whatsoever in the presence of God. And we'll be able to dwell with him for all eternity. So two Sundays ago, we began wrapping up this series. And I was trying to, to boil down about 16 sermons in about three points, if you will. And, and especially looking at the, the, the very last part of this. This is kind of where we've been right here. From the book of Romans to the book of Revelation, chronologically speaking in history, this is where you and I are right here. And so we've looked at, okay, if you take the rest of the New Testament and you boil down what was the work of the Holy Spirit for the church in the first century... What I posited to you two weeks ago is, if we can determine that, then we can know what the Holy Spirit should mean for you and I today. So we said that there's three things that the Spirit provides for the church. The first thing that He provides is His presence. And that's what you and I were singing about this moment just a, just a moment ago. First and foremost, God desires to place His presence in the church. Why? Because you and I are supposed to be the embodiment of God's presence on the earth. Amen? Amen. Just a moment ago, Luke, you were talking to the kids up here, and I love the analogy that you used for, you know, like Halloween, you're putting on a costume. But as Christians, we put on Christ. Well, as a church, collectively, we also put on Christ, right? So we are to be the embodiment of the presence of God upon this earth. Now, why does he provide his presence? Now, this is what we talked about last Sunday. He provides his indwelling presence because it's his presence that transforms you. When you have the presence of the Spirit inside of you, over time, it produces the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is what makes you eventually look like Jesus Christ. Now, why does He provide His presence and transforms us? uh, We get to the third part this morning. And the third item is what I want to focus on for this morning. And that is the gifts. Where God gives gifts to His people in the body, in the church, specifically to empower them and to call them in service to other people. Amen? Now, I told you a couple weeks ago that these things are written in order of importance. There are groups out there. um, I'm not picking on anybody, um, but there are Christian groups out there that places the emphasis on the gifts and less on the transformation and less on the presence. I think that's getting the cart before the horse. We need to have a relationship with the giver before we can understand the gifts. And before we can use the gifts that God has given us in a very constructive way. And so for this morning, I want us to ask a question. I want us to ask a few questions, actually. What are spiritual gifts? Why does God give spiritual gifts to his people? And does he still give spiritual gifts today? That's another question that we can ask. How do we know what our spiritual gift is? I've talked to some people in the past and they'll say, well, I don't even know if God's given me a spiritual gift. How do you determine what your spiritual gift is, and how should we use those gifts in the church. So we're going to talk about a few of those things this morning. Now, if you are anything like me, when you were a kid, what was your favorite holiday? Christmas! Man, that was mine, too. Now, some of you, look's weird. His is not. I know yours is Halloween, right? Okay. Now, Luke was weird. Now, but, but, but for, for 99.9% of us, right, uh, Christmas was it. Now, why did we love Christmas so much? Oh, my goodness, man. Listen, Caleb, ever since we had... uh, He knows that Halloween's coming up. He's not a fan of Halloween. But the reason why he loves to to know when Halloween is coming is because he knows Christmas Christmas is getting closer, right? Um, And he gets really excited when the Thanksgiving turkey's on the table because the only thing he talks about at Thanksgiving is Christmas. Christmas. Okay. So I'll tell you what. I never will forget one Christmas. I was probably... uh, seven or eight years old, and I'm going to date myself a little bit here. This was 1985. Uh, That was not necessary. (laughs) Somebody went, ooh. (laughs) It really wasn't. Uh, It was 1985, and the the big movie of the year that year, fellas, see if you remember, it was Rambo. Remember Rambo. And there was a a toy that came out that year, and you know how they do it. They always release a toy right right before Christmas, and it's the one that everybody wants. Well, the toy that every boy, especially all of my friends that we wanted, was this thing right here. It was a Rambo M60 machine gun. Dude, this thing was sick. I wanted this thing so bad. And so that year, I, I kept asking my dad, what do you want for Christmas? I want the Rambo gun. I want the Rambo gun. I want the Rambo gun. And so anybody else had this thing? You could shoot it from the front and the back. You could actually take a defensive position and shoot that thing. And it had, a, had, a, had the bullets it would just go around her. It. it was the most awesome gun, dude. I'm telling you what. So that year, I remember I was up at my dad's house, and I grew up with my, my girl. I only had girls growing up. I, I, I told you, I make the joke sometimes. I didn't grow up throwing footballs. I grew up needle pointing. <laughs> okay? I could needle point. That's about it. But I got this thing. I remember we went down to the, to the tree. We tore up in those presents. We were so excited. And you know that when you're hoping for that one present and you see the box and it's in the right shape and you're like, oh, I know which one it is. I know it's there. And so I open up all my other presents and I wait for the best for last. Man, I opened that thing up. I spent the entire day chasing my cousins all around the house, shooting them with that gun to the point that my father had to say, honey, they're girls. Stop. You're terrorizing the poor, the poor children, okay? Now... Anyway, um, but here's the thing. When I think about that, when I think about that story, and I was thinking about the gift of the Holy Spirit and the fact that, that not only is he a gift himself, but he gives us gifts for the sake of ministry, I can't help but think that that's the way followers of Jesus Christ should be when it comes to the anticipation and the excitement that we should have to unwrap the spiritual giftings that God has given you on the inside to be able to serve him in his kingdom. Amen? Let me ask you a question. Do you realize that you worship a loving, gift-giving God? He wants to give you gifts. Listen to this passage from the book of James. I apologize. I have Romans up there. I don't know why that happened. But every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, James chapter one, verse 17, God loves to give us gifts. And the reason why he loves to give us gifts is not so that you can have the blessing of the gift yourself. It's so that you can be empowered to be the people that God has called us to be. And so that we can participate with him and what he's doing around us and serve him in service to God. Amen. Okay. So let me make this statement here. To receive the Holy Spirit is also to receive and embrace the mission of Christ on this earth. I'm going to say that again. To receive the Holy Spirit is also to receive the mission of Christ upon this earth. And if you take upon yourself the mission of Jesus Christ to tell others about Jesus, then I promise you, you also have a gift. You may not know what it is yet but I pray that by the time you leave this room this morning that you will at least begin to start thinking about and talking about what the gift is that God has given you and how you can actually serve with that gift here at the Eastside Church of Christ. I want you to take your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 with me this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is where we're going to be for the remainder of our time. And uh, we're not going to have the time to get into the entire chapter in depth, but that's okay. What we're going to do is we're going to summarize. And what I want to do is I want to summarize really quick. First Corinthians chapter 12 teaches us that there are three things to keep in mind when it comes to receiving spiritual gifts. Three things to keep in mind when it comes to receiving spiritual gifts. Let me give these to you really quick, and then we're going to get into the text this morning. Number one, every follower of Jesus Christ has a God-given spiritual gift that they are called to use In the local church. That's number one. Every single person. We are not Lone Ranger Christians. Amen. We are called to be together and to serve with one another. You've heard it said in the past that only 10% of the people in the church does about 90% of the work. Well, I have seen that that is true for the most part. But that's not going to be the case at Eastside Church of Christ. Amen. We're going to step up. And instead of 10% doing 90%, we're going to have 100% doing 100%. Amen. Okay, because that's what God's called us to do. Number two this morning, the gift, whatever the gift that God has given you, whatever it is, it is for the common good of the church. And then number three this morning. The gift that God gives you is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit in your life. And that is an evidence that God is supernaturally empowering you to serve as a member of the body of Christ. Now, generally speaking, just a broad stroke, those are the three main things that we're going to get from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, what I want to do with you this morning is I want to share with you some basic truths about spiritual gifts that hopefully will help you discover maybe what your gift is and how you can use it right here. So let's go ahead and get into this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The first truth that I want to share with you this morning. There we go. Number one, every part of the body of Christ belongs here. And you're here for a reason. I want you to read the text with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 7. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters... I don't want you to be uninformed. There's different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There's different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There's different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God that's at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for what? The common good. Now, skip down with me to verse 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now, if the foot should say, well, because I'm not the hand, I don't belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, well, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. Now, stop right here for just a moment. I love this. Because when Paul gets the point about discussing spiritual gifts among the church. Now, remember, this is Corinth. You guys remember, Corinth has some issues, don't they, with spiritual gifts, there's praying, there's prophesying, there's speaking in tongues, there's some arguing, there's, there's immorality going on. They're really struggling with those three things that we talked about. They're struggling with the presence of God, they're struggling with transformation, and they're definitely putting the cart before the horse because they think that if you speak in tongues, that means you've arrived spiritually speaking, right? And he's writing this to them, he's saying, no, that's, that's, that's not the case at all. He says, you've got to think about it like a body, and, and, and every piece of the body has a, an important role to play. Paul's point, I think, is really clear. Those of us who are saved, every single one of us has the Holy Spirit. We all agree with that. But that fact alone tells us that we belong to this body together. So if you are here, and I want to say this to you this morning in this church. If you are here in the Eastside Church of Christ, you are here for a reason. You are needed In this body for a reason. And whether we realize it or not. Every single one of us has a gift from the Holy Spirit. And not one gift is more important than another gift. Look at this. Verse 17. Okay. I apologize. If the whole body were an eye. Look at verse 17. Where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? So the point is, no matter what gift that God has given you, you belong to the body of Christ. Nobody can say that you don't belong. The Bible says in verses 18 through 20, But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is... There are many parts, but one body. Okay, so my point is, you belong to the body of Christ. Now, I'm going to stop using the PowerPoint this morning because I actually updated the slides, and they're not updated up here, so we're going to forego the PowerPoint, okay? Number two, basic truth number two. Not only does every part of the body belong here and has a reason for being in the body of Christ, but number two, every part needs the other part, We need each other. As you keep reading in the text, in verse 21, Paul reminds us that the eye, which, by the way, must be pretty proud of himself here because he keeps telling other people that they're not needed, (laughs) okay? But the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. That makes sense, right? Because if if that were the case, then you'd never be able to see your food, (laughs) right? You'd have, you have a hand, but you can't, you can't see it anyway, so you don't know how to eat. And so an eye without a hand would be a disadvantage. Well, guess what? Me without Penny is a disadvantage. Augustine without Luke, that's a disadvantage. Catherine without Craig is a disadvantage. Do you see the point Every person has a role to play and every single one of us is absolutely needed. And get this, Paul says that even the parts that don't even seem necessary, you know what I'm talking about, the the members that come in, they sit in the back, they don't really engage, you know, they're kind of the the wallflowers, if you will, even the ones that don't seem like they're that important, Paul says, guess what, they're even more important than you realize. Look at what it says in verses 22 through 26. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unrepresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body. But its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So here's the point. Do I have the Holy Spirit living in me? Do you have the Holy Spirit living in you? Then regardless of how you and I relate to one another in the flesh, in the spirit you and I are connected and the same spirit that's working in me is also working in you. And guess what? Did you know that the spirit has purposely decided not to give you everything? You know why? Because he's given Luke something I need. He's given me something that Slow needs. Amen? He's given Slow something that the Bowdens need. Amen? He did that on purpose because hopefully what it does is it pulls us together to work together as one unit. And by the way, whether you realize or not, not one job is more important than another. Some people may think that God's given me the gift of teaching. That's still on the table. <laughs> okay? As far as I know, that's still on the table. But here's the thing. The gift of teaching that God has given me has nothing to do with the gift that God has given you. Not one is greater or one is worse. I remember I used to hear some of the young preachers back in college, man. They would talk about the frustrations that they would have with the the blue-haired old ladies that sit in the back of the church, you know. And I got mad one day. And, uh, and I said, let me tell you something about those blue-haired old ladies that sit in the back of the church. How do you know that your ministry, that your church that what God has been doing amongst you has not been supported by the intercessory prayer of those saints, those seasoned men and women of God who have walked the journey, who are living a holy life, who are sitting back there, who don't care about what comes in their own lives, but literally pour themselves out in fasting and prayer. How do you know that the church doesn't cease to exist because of the prayers of those saints? We are all needed in the body and there's not one greater than the other basic truth number three from first Corinthians chapter 12 spiritual gifts contribute to the body now I want you to back up with me in verses 7 through 11 first Corinthians chapter 12 7 through 11 and this is where um, Paul lists a lot of these spiritual gifts and you'll notice the handout that I've given you hopefully everybody has one Um, this is something I printed off from the internet uh, but it's a, it's a listing. There's three major lists in the New Testament. Paul lists spiritual gifts. And I want to point out to you that these lists are not meant to be exhaustive. I believe that they're meant to be illustrative. In other words, these are the kind of things that the Spirit does. It doesn't mean that this is limited to these things. There's probably more, okay? But, um, but this is one of them here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 7-11. Let's read it together. Now, to each one... And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each just as he determines. So in other words, he says the gifts, regardless of what they are, are given for the common good of the church. And they are to be used to help the body of Christ function together. So let me take an example. Um, The spiritual gift of service. You know, you, you have some people that it seems like their knack, they may not like to get up in front of a pulpit, they may not like to, to lead a song or whatever, but they love to go serve. And I'm not going to point out any names, but we've got some people in this church who are like that. They, they don't like to be out in front, but they like to serve. Well, guess what? When I think about the, the gift of service, I think of the hands of Jesus. I think you're the hands of Jesus because you're always doing stuff, and, and whatever you do, your hands are representing the service of Jesus. Amen? And I think about another one, the gift of encouragement. Let me tell you something. That gift is so needed in the church today. You know, there's so much happening in the world, so, much th- so many things happening in our families where we need encouragement. And there are some people that just have a knack for that. And again, I'm not going to point people out, but there are some people that just they come along and they're the ones who just, what do they do? They just put the arm around you and they love on you. And, and I see that gift as the arms of Jesus, right? That's the way that sometimes that we can physically feel the the comfort and the embrace of Jesus Christ so all kinds of gifts all kinds of gifts their service may take the form of of setting up chairs in the mpb you know setting up chairs and taking down chairs that's an act of service that's so important Uh, the service may be like uh, the food pantry you know next month is our month folks did you know that Next month is our month to serve at the food pantry. Well, guess what? We need volunteers. As you're there talking to people as they come through, guess what? You get to be the hands of Jesus Christ. You get to be the arms of Jesus Christ. If you use your mouth to say something encouraging, you get to be the lips of Jesus Christ. It's incredible. Another example. um, Well, let's go on. The main point is, is that if you have the Holy Spirit, you have a gift that's been given to you by God. And that gift means that you belong to the body, you are needed in this place, and you have a gift that is equipping you to serve Jesus Christ. Okay, Now, that begs a question. And this question has been in the back of my mind since we started this sermon series, and that is this. You notice that when we read that list, there were some gifts that some people might deem as miraculous gifts. And as I was growing up in the church, I've always heard it like this, that in the first century... Um, The Holy Spirit gave all kinds of gifts, a lot of which were miraculous. But after the first century, when the Bible was completed, when the New Testament canon was written, the miraculous uh, gifts of the Spirit ceased. How many people have heard that before? Okay? The miraculous gifts ceased. And so there's a dichotomy that's made between the gifts. Some people say there's miraculous gifts, and then there's natural gifts. Now, before we go any further... Have you read anything in this text to tell you that there's a difference between miraculous and natural gifts? They all come from who? What did Paul say over and over again? The Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit. They're not your natural talents. They're not the things that you're just naturally good at. They're things that God supernaturally empowers you with. If it's encouragement, it's a supernatural ability to encourage other people. Amen? Okay. So with that said... The, the passage that is always used is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is the very next chapter. So I figured while we're here at chapter 12, we might as well hop over to chapter 13 and take a quick glance at it, okay? So flip over to chapter 13, and let's read verses 8 through 12, and let's address this really, really quick to see if some of these gifts have ceased or not. But where there are prophecies, he says, they will cease. Where there's tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, and if you have a pen or pencil or crayon or eyeliner or whatever you want to use, <laughs> take that and circle the word completeness. Okay, circle the word completeness. He says, When completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things behind me. For now we see only in a reflection as in a mirror, but then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Guys, we don't even really have to get into the text because we already know the answer to this, don't we? Go back to the word completeness. You know what the word there is in the Greek? It's telos, goal, the goal. Remember that graphic that we've been looking at for several Sundays up on the screen of looking at the entire panorama of history? The word that is most often used for the parousia, the return of Jesus Christ, him setting up the kingdom, us entering face-to-face with the Father, is the word telos. It's the goal of God. So when does Paul foresee these gifts ceasing? Does he foresee it when the Bible is completed? No. Paul didn't even have that in his mindset back then. He had no idea that he was writing scripture, I believe. But the point that he's trying to make is, is that one day when Jesus returns, when the telos is fulfilled, when the completeness arrives, that's the day when these gifts will cease. Because what is the most important gift of all? Love. And that's the one that will dwell forever. Okay, before we close, I do need to address one more thing. How do you discover the gift that God has given you in the Spirit? I want to share with you, before we close, four practical ways that you can discover the spiritual gift that God has given you and begin to start using it, okay? So if you'd like to write these down, I'm going to give them to you. We're going to talk about them very briefly. Number one, spend time... Praying to the one who gave you the gift. Spend time praying to the one who gives you the gift. If you want to know about your gift, you've got to have a conversation with the gift giver, folks. And guess what that takes? Quiet time, 95-5 time, sitting along with him. Prayer is very much a two-way street. And if you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, it tells you something very important that I don't want you to forget. It says that these gifts that He gives us are distributed by the same Spirit, watch this, just as He determines. He's the one who tells you what the gift is. He's the one who determines how it's used in the church. So if you want to know, go to Him, okay? And over time, He will reveal it to you. Number two this morning, study your Bible. Study your Bible because, see, it's in the Scriptures that God reveals His purposes, It's in the scriptures that he tells you about the gifts and he gives you an understanding of what those gifts are and how they can be used. Look at the handout that I've given you. Don't let the page 7 and 8 throw you. It was because it was in my notes in my sermon. So that's why it says there's no other pages to it. But go through that list. Look at every single one of those. Read the passages associated with those gifts. See which one starts to stir your heart. Listen, he will stir you up with your emotions, but he will grow you up with your faith. A lot of times you will discover your spiritual gift because it's that thing that's burning on the inside of you. That heartburn, that holy heartburn is a spiritual nudge to show you what God's doing inside of your life. Read the Word of God. Now listen, there are books out there on spiritual gifts. There's websites you can go to to do spiritual gift inventories. I hold those things very loosely. Because first and foremost, the Word of God and the Spirit Himself will show you, and He is faithful to show you how you can have a gift and use it for the congregation. Number three, ask those who know you well. Ask those who know you well. Um, sometimes it's people who know you best that can see things that you don't see. You ever notice that? Sometimes you just don't see stuff and people around you see stuff. I remember I, was, I had been speaking to the youth group probably, uh, I don't know, a couple months or whatever. And at the time, when I was about 17, 18 years old, I had a plan to become an archaeologist. I had no interest whatsoever in being a preacher, zero, uh, <laughs> whatsoever. And, and so um, I remember I was having a, a, a talk that I was giving to the youth group. And right afterwards, there was an elder that came up to me. And he sat me down there and he says, Tim, have you ever thought about speaking? Have you ever thought about teaching? He said, I really think that you have a gift for that. That was the first time anybody ever told me that. I didn't think I had no gift of speaking or teaching. I still struggle with whether I have it now anyway. I don't know if I still do. But the point is, somebody else saw it. Somebody else saw it. And they helped me to realize the gift that God has given me. Listen, trust and listen to the other people in your life who have the Holy Spirit and who are walking in the Holy Spirit. Sometimes they can see things that you don't see. And then finally, number four, serve. 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 When I got that, uh, that Rambo M80, that toy gun, man, I, I wish I could go back and show you. I wish I had an old VHS video to show you what that day was like for me. I ripped open that box, tore that papers flying all over the place. By the time I got done, it looked like there was confetti thrown all over the place, right? And that entire summer... Was me running around. My great grandma had three acres of land, man, and so that, that was like Vietnam in the backyard. <laughs> it was all summer long just shooting and having fun and playing all over the place. But listen to me, I would have never been able to have that fun that that gift had given me if I hadn't opened the box. If I hadn't opened the box the best way that you can learn how to use the gift or whether you even have a gift, the gift that God has given you is to serve as a member of the body of Christ. Because sometimes what happens is is that as you step out and you begin to serve, the spirit responds to your obedience and then he gives you revelation as to what your gift is. Amen? Amen. So as I close, I'm just going to say this. I pray that this series has been a blessing to you. I I so look forward to... I so look forward to the picnic in the park next week. Uh, It's going to be a wonderful thing. We have a whole brand new series that we're planning after we come back, so I'm getting excited about that. But listen, I want to close and say this. If you are not plugged in here at the Eastside Church of Christ, if you don't know what your gift is, or maybe you know what your gift is but you're not using it, today is the day to invest in this congregation. If you need help understanding your gift, I encourage you to go to one of the elders. I encourage you to go to Luke. I encourage you to come to me. And we will help you determine through the Holy Spirit what your gift is. And if you need to get plugged in, I promise you, there is a lot of work to do for the Lord in Snyder, Texas. Okay? So we're going to do that together. If you need to respond to the invitation, then come forward right now. As together we stand and see.